Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with Dan from Georgia, and today is going to be a very special edition of uh, Genesis to Revelation. We're going to be uh, discussing an article by William F. Dankenbring, who uh, is um, a really good, uh, I guess he was of the uh, British-Israel persuasion, to put it that way, uh, who believed that the Jews were the tribe of Judah but nevertheless also understood that the uh, European nation-states consisted of, in his opinion, the other 11 tribes <laughs> of, of, of Israel. So he's fully aware of the migrations, and this is one of the reasons why he wrote an article about the, uh, the seven times prophecy of Leviticus channel, uh, chapter 26, uh, which I have put into the chat room. So anybody can open that up and follow along. And uh, William F. Dankenbring, in my opinion, is one of the best uh, Judeo-Christian Bible scholars ever. And uh, I, I subscribed to his monthly newsletter, Prophecy Flash, for about 20 years. And he always had, and he, he was not afraid to criticize the Jews, even though he believed the Jews were the pride of Judah. He would not hold back criticisms of the rabbis, which is very rare for a, a Judeo-Christian Bible scholar. And almost you never, almost never, hear any criticism of the Jews by any Judeo-Christian ever. Okay, uh, how about you, Dan? Have you heard any uh, any Judeo-Christian ministers <clears throat> criticizing Jews? Never. <laughs> <laughs> right? It just doesn't happen. But he is an exception. Okay, yeah, even what's Chuck Baldwin, who would probably today be like the best substitute, or actually, no, I don't consider Baldwin a Bible scholar. He uh, He's a constitutionalist, right? But he's, I don't consider him a Bible scholar, not to the extent that Dankenbring was. So let's get into it, folks. Uh, this is a, an article entitled The Astonishing Future of America in Prophecy from one of his newsletters. I'm not sure which one. And uh, when you open this document, you can click the plus sign on the top line, 
and uh, increase the size of the type so it's easier to read. So uh, I, I clicked it about four or five times, a, a nice large type. But we're going to turn it over to Dan from Georgia to uh, read the text, and uh, I'll make sure to comment whenever Mr. Dankenbring is off target, all right, or to praise him when he's really on target, okay? All right, over to you, Dan. Okay, here we go. Ancient Bible, ancient biblical prophecies predicted the rise of the United States of America and our end-time destiny. Prophecies in the Torah and prophecies of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Hosea speak of America's rise to power, turn to wickedness, and the fatal punishment which will be bestowed upon her. Uh-oh. Well, it, says, it, says, it says fateful, not fatal. <laughs> Although fate, it, it may as well read fatal because we're in bad shape. And the timetable of when these frightful, horrendous calamities will occur. Very good. Yeah. Astounding, earth-shaking Bible prophecies reveal the identity of the end-time United States of America. Our stunning origins are revealed, our identity, and our apocalyptic future. Who are we? What are our ancient origins? Are we mentioned in the Bible in Bible prophecy? Nor no historical question is more thrilling, more mind-boggling, and astounding. Yes, America has an identity crisis, especially the white people of America have a horrible identity crisis. So does all the European, Anglo-Saxon, Caucasian people, not realizing that they are the Israelites of the Bible. They're a terrible identity crisis, and we're here to change that, folks. Back to you. Yep. Yeah. In the book of Genesis, we read the astounding statement and prophecy made by God to Abraham and his descendants. By myself have I sworn, saith Yahweh, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. In other Genesis, words, yes, go ahead. Yeah, Genesis. I was just going to say Genesis chapter 22, verses 16 through 18. The possess the gate of his enemies, we, meaning we will be conquerors and possess uh, whatever uh, uh, in, uh, roads or, or harbors the enemy possesses, and we will possess them. And that has been true of only the white race. Only the white race folks, and of course, and meaning the Caucasian Israelites. Back to you. This prophecy was later repeated to Rebecca by her brothers, who said to her when she accepted the proposal of marriage on Isaac's behalf, made by Abraham's servant. And they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, literally billions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Genesis chapter 24, verse 60. Okay, Dan, has that prophecy been fulfilled by any Jewess? Uh, No, it has not. (laughs) Right, it has not. It has not. Okay, yeah, I I can't name one Jewess whose uh, whose, uh, people possess the gates, they they control the banks, right? But not militarily possess the uh, inroads and harbors, etc. of any nation. Nope. What they do is tag along behind us. That's right. And the tag alongs to be us. Yeah, know? that's a, and, that's a, and, yeah the tag alongs. That, that's a good description of the <laughs> uh, you know, of the enemy seed of Satan's seed. I'm going to write that down. Tag alongs. Okay, very good. Yeah. 
One of the most important, astonishing truths of biblical prophecy is that the Anglo-Saxon people, the founders of the United Kingdom and the United States of America, are descended from ancient Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Our forefathers are descended from the fabled Lost Ten Tribes of ancient Israel. They got it right. Yeah, he got it right this time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Outstanding. Many biblical prophecies speak of the fate of the leading nation of Israel during the last days. That is, the United States of America. In biblical prophecy, we are the tribe of Ephraim, <clears throat> the leading birthright tribe, the younger of the two sons of Joseph. God inspired the patriarch Jacob to prophesy of the two brothers, Ephraim and Manasseh. The angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Genesis chapter 48, verse 16. Jacob later said that Manasseh would be great, but added, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he. And his seed shall become a multitude of nations or states. Okay, all right. So which is greater, the elder or the younger? <clears throat> the younger. That's absolutely right. America is Ephraim. Manasseh is Britain, okay, because America is greater. And is number 13. This is why we have 13 original colonies. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, and we broke away from Britain, the the elder son, right? Isn't Manasseh the elder son, Britain? That's right. There you go, folks. Uh, yeah. That's uh, that settles the question of whether America is Ephraim or Manasseh. <laughs> Those several facts we just mentioned alone prove that Ephraim is America. Back to you. Yeah, we we broke away over a tax on tea. Partially. Yeah, right, right. And now look at all the taxes we pay. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and, and, and we pay their way. America is paying Britain's way these days because Britain mm -hmm. is bankrupt. Well, so are we. Everybody, yeah. the whole world is bankrupt and surviving on fiat money, Rothschild fiat money. Yeah. We are, we are bankrupt to uh, Mystery Babylon, the international Jew. Yes, yeah. That's who owns yeah. all, these, all these central banks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a couple of uh, comments in the chat room about uh, um, John Statmiller passing away yesterday. I don't know if you're aware, Dan, that uh, John ah. Statmiller of RBN passed away yesterday. No, I did not. Okay, did not and know. so uh, people are wondering what in the world is going to be happening at RBN. He was at least uh, not afraid of the Jewish question. He did not like uh, the identity version of it, you know, naming the Jews as non-Israelites. But uh, virtually any other criticism of the Jews was allowed on RBN. We'll see if that continues to be true as they move forward. But, uh, yeah, this will uh, make Alex Jones top dog. <laughs> he already is in terms of, uh, you know, uh, following, you know, because he's got millions, you know, which uh, RBN never had. He was on a shoestring budget, yet kept the, uh, kept the network going. So kudos to him. Back to you. Alex, uh, he does a good job of getting some truths out, but he, yeah, he some. mixes some lies in with the with the truth. Like he will yeah. never admit the Jewish question yeah. in anything. No, no, he never will. Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. Ephraim was set before or above Manasseh in rank and power and blessing. They were to become a multitude of states, as the original Hebrew says. And truly, the United States of America, comprised of 50 sovereign individual states, 
fulfills this prophecy to the T. Ephraim was to become a united company or assembly of peoples. Isn't it interesting that the United States is famous around the world for, for being the melting pot of the nations? Originally, it was a melting pot for the 13 <clears throat> tribes. But, right. uh, but the fact that it became a racial melting pot is also <clears throat> a subject of prophecy, as we'll find out. Back to you. The United States has more immigrants from, diverse, from more diverse locations than any other nation on earth. This is both a, both a strength and a fatal weakness. The prophet Hosea foretold this condition would describe Ephraim in the last days. Hosea wrote, Ephraim mixes with the nations. Ephraim is a flat cake not turned over. White on one side, baked black or brown on oh, the other side. there's a white and black. <laughs> uh-huh. How about that? You think that flat cake not turned over has racial significance? <laughs> Absolutely does. It sure does, yes. Foreigner's sapish strength, oh, but he does not realize it. Yes. He, did, he got that oh. one right, didn't he? Oh, man, this is, this is Hosea. Man, I, I feel the strength leaving me as if I, <laughs> as if somebody has, has tapped into my soul, my, my blood, right? Sapping me of my yes. strength. Amen. His hair is sprinkled with gray. But he does not notice. Hosea <laughs> no, chapter seven verses no, he, eight and nine. He uses that uh, hair coloring. <laughs> it does gray. Okay, <laughs> this is good stuff, folks. This is really good stuff. Okay. Okay. Now we're going into the seven times prophetic punishment. God stated that if His people would not hearken unto Him, that He would chastise them for seven times and would scatter them among the nations. A time is a solar year of 360 days, just as the time, times, and a half a time of Dan, chapter 12, verse 7, is the same as 1260 days in Revelation, chapter 11, verse 3, and chapter 12, verse 6. So twice three and a half times, or seven times, would be 2,520 days. Yes. Then we learn from the great prophet Ezekiel in chapter 4, verse 6, that when the subject is Israel's punishment, then a day is given to represent one year. Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 declares, For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, 390 days. So shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when thou hast accomplished them, lie again on thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have appointed thee each day for a year. And so is that seven times would be seven times 360 years or 2,520 years. Here is the prophecy announcing that period of chastisement. And if you will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then I also walk contrary unto you and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 23. Okay. God, God then repeated that he would chastise his people seven times in verse 28. Then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And okay. Then, yeah. Have, have the Israel people been chastised for 2,520 years? And, of course, <clears> beyond, Right. But uh, this is a very specific prophecy as to kind of like um, when uh, Israel was redeemed at Calvary, 
this prophecy says there will be a redemption after 2,520 years. That's what this means. Back to you. And in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 33, we read, And I will scatter, scatter among you, scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. The 2,520 years would commence with the scattering, which began with the captivity of each of the tribes of Israel. Again, if you do not know who and where those tribes are located today, be sure to request a write and request a copy of America and Great Britain in Heraldry and Prophecy. The fact is that the birthright blessings contained in the covenant that God made with Abraham were eventually split between Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. It is also easy to document that England represents Manasseh, Joseph's first son. Which is the elder. Nation, it's the elder, the elder son. It's and very the important. United States yeah. represents Ephraim, who literally became the 13th tribe of Israel, a company of states, 50 states. A powerful, united, or union, a powerful united or union of states. Genesis chapter 48. That is why the number 13 is stamped all over our nation's history. For example, the 13 original colonies, 13 original states, etc. In fact, did you know that there are 13 sets of 13 between the obverse and reverse of the Great Seal of the United States? that was commissioned to be prepared on the same day as the signing of the Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776. Final approval was then given by Congress on June the 20th, 1782. Okay, now I have to interject here because a lot of people are not familiar with the fact that the Great Seal of the United States was commissioned by the founders and is not, and the, the all-seeing eye on top of the pyramid does not represent the Rothschilds. <laughs> it represents Yahweh, okay? But the Rothschilds have, uh, was appropriated. Uh, talk about cultural appropriation. They have appropriated many of our symbols and given them new meanings, and uh, people are unaware of the true meaning of the symbols. Mm-hmm. So when you see the pyramid with the 13 courses of uh, mm-hmm. masonry, on the U.S. dollar, that's a reference to the 13 tribes, okay? It's not a reference to the 13, although today it is, a reference to the 13 evil uh, you know, Nephilim families that rule the world, <laughs> okay? So, I mean, they, they deliberately uh, copy yeah. and, and pervert our symbolism. Back to you. Yeah, I was just about to say that. They copy everything, and yes. then they take credit for it like you know they thought yeah. of it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. No, they stole it. <laughs> they make money yeah. the old-fashioned way. They steal it. Yeah. Yeah. E. Raymond Capp's book, The Missing Links Discovered in Assyrian Tablets, Artisan Sales, page 67, where he notes that Tiglath-Pileser III in 745 B.C. records the conquest of Israel and mentions the exact area where Manasseh had been settled. When you add 2,520 years to this date— Remember, there is no year zero. You arrive at 1776. Coincidence? Not a chance. God's plan and his timetable are perfect. But here is another similar fulfillment of the same prophetic principle. This time we count from the fall of ancient Israel, the northern kingdom, which was 721 to 718 B.C., when Israel was taken into captivity by the Assyrian Empire under Shalmaneser and Sargon. 
718 BC plus 2,520 years brings us to 1802 AD plus one brings us to 1803 AD. What happened in 1803 AD that would be prophetically significant? Once again, we apply the seven times rule that is 2,520 years of punishment. Subtracting 2,520 from 718 BC brings us to 1803 AD, the very year of the Louisiana Purchase, the greatest land acquisition of a territory in all history by simple fee purchase. This was done during the term of office of Thomas yeah. Jefferson, our third president. Now, hold on, hold on. He should have said adding 2,025 <laughs> <laughs> instead of subtracting. You have to add 2,520 years to yeah. 17 B.C. to get 1803 <clears throat> A.D. Uh, 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 a fault of logic there. He, uh, <clears throat> obviously a typo he, he didn't catch. Back to you. In 1803 A.D. would not be important for anything except one thing which occurred during that year. In 1803, Napoleon Bonaparte was in dire need of funds to support his war efforts in Europe against the British. He was desperate for cash, so he suddenly offered the whole Louisiana Territory to the United States. The Louisiana Purchase has been hailed as the most significant event in American history. The historian Thomas A. Bailey described it as epochal. He went on to say, By scooping up Louisiana, America secured at one bloodless stroke the western half of the richest river valley in the world. Wow. After he sold the richest farmland in the world, the primary agricultural land west of the Mississippi, to the fledgling United States, Napoleon Bonaparte said, this accession of territory affirms forever the power of the United States. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> I have just given England a maritime rival that sooner or later will lay low her pride. Okay, so here's the conflict between the brothers, right? Mm -hmm. But it favors uh, Ephraim and, and not Manasseh in this case, right? And, of course, Manasseh has been on the decline, that is Great Britain, has been on the decline since the end of World War II because the Rothschilds have milked her dry, as they are today, milking us dry. We'll see, yeah. we'll see if they can defeat us. We've defeated them twice uh, at the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812. I would say the Civil War was a draw, but now they are arranging a, a global war against America. I mean, if you can't see that the Rothschilds with COVID are arranging a global war against America, and of course, all the white nations, because their target is the elimination of the white race entirely. That uh, if you can't see that, then you simply don't know what's going on. Back to you, Dan. The total purchase price for a vast territory stretching 828,000 square miles, covering more than 500 million acres, was a mere $15 million. Chunk this comes out today. <laughs> to the ridiculously low price of only <laughs> three cents per acre. Wow. A deal, <laughs> a bargain. Even better than Manhattan, you know, for trinkets. We, we purchased Manhattan from, from Indians for a bunch of trinkets. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Out of this vast territory was carved all or part of 13 states. Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Colorado, Kansas, Minnesota, Montana, and Wyoming. There's the number 13 again. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Never in world history had there been such a bargain. The value of this vast territory today would be beyond calculations. 
It contains a major part of the world's greatest breadbasket. Amen. What is significant? What 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 is the significance of this greatest land acquisition in all history? It occurred in 1803, exactly 2,520 years from the date the seven times punishment fell on ancient Ephraim and the kingdom of Israel, when the Assyrians scooped them out of their original land in the northern kingdom of Israel. After the 2,520 years of punishment were up, God suddenly blessed Ephraim with the greatest land acquisition ever in human history. Suddenly, the blessings of Almighty God began to be poured out on his people once again. Not because of their righteousness, but because of the promises God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What an awesome, incredible fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Ephraim, son of Joseph, was at one bound given the blessings of the everlasting hills, the verdant valleys, and the fruitful land, over 500 million acres, for the price of three cents per acre of land. From that time, the blessings began to accrue. Amen. This stunning fact shows the remarkable consistency of Almighty God's promises, blessings, and the fulfillment of his plan among the nations. Okay, Yahweh keeps his promises. <laughs> he keeps his part of the covenant. But we Israelites have yet to come around, have to come around to the fact that we are the uh, party of the second part of those blessings and promises and covenants, and we have to keep our part of the bargain and uh, this is the lesson of Christian identity, because we are Israel, and we have to keep our part of the bargain to obtain. Now, I don't know how many more blessings he can give us, but let me put it this way, Dan. The American Revolution was a profoundly Christian revolution. It was started by Christian pastors in all 13 colonies. They're the ones who actually were the gun-toting Minutemen. Okay, underneath their black uh, ministerial robes, they are, or behind the pulpit, they, they kept their blunderbuss or whatever, <laughs> whatever those rifles were called in those days, ready to spring to action at any moment. Okay, so they were gun-toting Christians and uh, who, who believed in biblical liberty. And that's where this idea of liberty comes from. It comes from the Bible, folks. This is total fulfillment of biblical prophecy about the 12, 13 tribes, because one count uh, Levi, in, in history. Back to you. It is most fitting that a quote from the book of Leviticus be inscribed on our most precious symbol of liberty. For it is in this great book, through the adherence to the laws and statutes contained therein, that true liberty is granted. And so every 50 years, the Liberty Bell was to be rung. <clears throat> the scriptures were to be fulfilled. The law from Leviticus 25.10 inscribed on the bell was to be obeyed, and liberty was to be proclaimed throughout the land. Now, wait a minute. When was the last time they did this? <laughs> every 50 years. See, the 200-year anniversary <clears throat> had to be uh, 1976 <clears throat> and uh, 20, oh, 2026. We're coming right up to that. We better make sure mm -hmm. that the Liberty Bell is rung again in 2026. That could be a very significant event. Back to you. But guess what? It wasn't pro proclaimed in 20 years after it should have been. <laughs> it cracked for the second time. <laughs> really? For the second and the time? And the expansion of that crack rendered the bell unringable. And believe it or not, it occurred on Washington's birthday in 1846, 
just a few months short of the 70th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. For those who have eyes to see, the number 70 in biblical numerics denotes the restoration of Israel. Okay. Now let us examine the unusual circumstance we referred to earlier, and hopefully you will see God's divine stamp on the date, July 4th, 1776. Evidence of the significance of this date are found in the remarkable coincidences surrounding the deaths of our second and third presidents, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. The following quotations are from Funk and Wagnall's special edition entitled The Presidents, published by the Curtis Publishing Company, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46202. John Adams died on July the 4th, 1826, the same day as Thomas Jefferson. The following comment on the significance of this coincidence appeared in the July 8th, 1826 issue of the Post. A gentleman arrived from the eastward last evening, informs that the venerable John Adams died at his seat at Quincy near Boston on the 4th of July, about 5 o'clock p.m., but a few hours after the Sage of Monticello, united in the grand political concerns of life, thus in death, they are not divided. The last words of John Adams were said to have been, Thomas Jefferson still survives, <laughs> not knowing that Jefferson had preceded him in death by a few hours. Wow. Okay. So he was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Very good. Thomas Jefferson apparently knew two or three days ahead of time that he was going to die on July the 4th, 1826. And both Thomas Jefferson and John Adams died on that same day, July 4th, 1826, exactly 50 years from the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Remarkably, they died within a few hours of each other. Coincidence? I think not. The number 50 in biblical numerics denotes a jubilee. All right. And it is comprised of five, the number of grace, times 10, the number of testimony and of law, as in the Ten Commandments. The 50th year, the Jubilee, is the year in which all debts, public and private, are released, and once again, liberty is proclaimed throughout the land. Here is Leviticus chapter 25, verse 10, in its entirety, for only a portion of it is inscribed on the liberty bell. And ye shall hallow the 50th year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a Jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession, and you shall return every man unto his family. Okay, we're going to have to see to it that uh, July 4th, 2026, <laughs> liberty is proclaimed. That's the, uh, Yahweh is waiting for us to uh, proclaim the Jubilee. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're supposed to do. And all debts are to be forgiven. Jews. <laughs> uh, we're not just, we won't see that happen. <laughs> right. No, but we'll make sure it does, whether they like it or not. Back to you. That these two great men were sent by our Father to help lay the foundation of this one nation under God is without dispute. God truly blesses America, and John Adams and Thomas Jefferson certainly proved to be a blessing to the establishment of this Christian nation. Their coincidental death on the first jubilee of our nation the land of the free and the home of the brave was not a coincidence, for the hand of God was surely upon these two men who were vital in founding in the founding of our nation. Interestingly, James Monroe, the fifth president of the United States, 
also died on July the 4th. Three of the first five presidents of this great nation died on the 4th of July. A strange phenomenon. Does it show the hand of divine providence? Is this another clue that Almighty God is working out a unique special purpose here below? Yet today we have turned our backs on God and his word. Amen. Most people have lost faith in him. They are ambivalent about religious faith. What went wrong with our once great and blessed nation? What caused our descent into immorality, corruption, and secularism? What happened to God's blessings and protection? Why are America's troubles suddenly compounding, escalating, and multiplying? Why are millions so nervous, afraid, and anxiety-ridden? <clears throat> this is before COVID, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is probably written around 1990, something like that. Yeah. Wow. If he thought it was bad then, he ought to see how people are now. Yeah, yeah. One of the outstanding signs of the times is the occurrence of celestial phenomena occurring on or near annual holy days of God, a very rare event. Okay, now here's where he begins to lapse into, uh, you know, uh, British Israelism and uh, bringing up Jewish ideas, okay, uh, which uh, really don't pertain. I've never seen anything uh, about blood red moons in, in Scripture, you know, so uh, there's no mention of any such thing in Scripture. So this is Jewish. This is Jewish uh, invention here. But let's continue to see what he has to say. All right. Total lunar eclipses fell on or near God's annual holy days of Passover and Sukkot in back-to-back -back years in uniquely interesting years in history. In 1492, Spain banished all Jews from the land, and Columbus, a secret Jew, discovered America. That was a good thing, banishing the Jews from Spain. Yeah. That was a good thing, yeah. In 1948, Nation of Israel was established in the Middle East. Bad thing, bad thing. Yeah. Again, this blood moon business, it's not in Scripture. This is, Jewish, this is Jewish teaching that he has fallen into. In 1967, Israel recaptured the Golan Heights, the west bank of the Jordan River, Sinai Peninsula, and the East Jerusalem with Temple Mount, during the miraculous six-day war in Israel. Yeah, this is all assuming that the Jews are Israel, which they are not. You know, so none of this, none of this stuff falls <laughs> into the 2,520 years prophecy at all. All right, so it's just his attempt to make good with the Jews. All right, uh, yeah. which, and it's like I say, it's British Israel. And who is that? Armstrong, Herbert W. Armstrong, the Worldwide Church of God. He was a member of that church. I wish to pretty much teach the same thing as British Israel. Back to you. In World Watch Daily, Koenig International News, 9, on 9-4-13 by Bill Koenig, he mentions that seven back-to-back blood-red moons have fallen on the first day of Passover and Sukkoth since the time of Christ in the first century. The eighth time this phenomenon will occur began on Passover 2014 and continues on Sukkot 2014, then again on Passover 2015 and Sukkot 2015. <clears throat> Astronomical research has shown that we have had blood red, blood red moons on the first day of Passover and on or near the first day of Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, on back-to-back -back seven years, seven times since 1 AD, since the coming of Christ. One of these occurrences was connected to 1492, the final year of the Spanish Inquisition, when the Jews were driven out of Spain. 
Another occurred in 1949 and 1950. <clears throat> Israel became a nation in 1948, the year before the blood red moon eclipse sign was seen in the sky. Okay, so notice how the uh, seven times prophecy is precise to the day from the taking into captivity of the half-tribe of Manasseh, which was on the east side of the Jordan River, because the other half was on the west side of the Jordan River. And that was uh, 745 B.C., and then the founding of America was 2,520 years later. It's exact timing, exact timing. The prophetic significance is impossible to miss, okay? So this stuff is very inexact that he's talking about. This is a year later, and again, this is Jewish teaching. This is not biblical teaching. But this is, uh, you know, the British-Israel movement has to uh, come up with some way of including the Jews as a tribe of Israel in some way. And that's what this is, this attempt by Dankenbring. uh, That's what he's doing. Over to you. Then another such tetrad occurred in 1967-1968 when the Six-Day War was fought in which Israel recaptured Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, a very significant prophetic occurrence. Now, do you think the Jews might have done it deliberately on this date to uh, make their blood-red moons uh, significant? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. Yep. These were some of the most significant events in Jewish history. The eclipses of the moon on these occasions were divine signs in the heavens of which we should take careful notice and not ignore them. They dramatically affect our lives and the world's future. Yes, they do, but not in a positive manner because the Jews are Edomites, not Israelites. I mean, <laughs> it amazes me that someone of Dankenbring's stature cannot see that or never understood it. The next occurrence of the blood-red moon eclipse tetrad at the, Pes- at the Passover and Sukkot seasons is the eighth one. It began with Passover of 2014 and the Feast of Sukkot 2014. The same will be true in 2015. After the flood in Noah's time, there were eight people saved in the ark to begin the new world. Eight is the, new number, is the number of new beginnings. So this next tetrad, the eighth tetrad, signifies a new beginning or the end of this age and the beginning of a new age, okay. the age of the Messiah, the Messianic Amen. age. <laughs> All right. And it's not a Jewish Messiah. <laughs> it's the real Messiah. No. Right. Yeah. There were no astronomical back-to-back blood-red moon events in the 1800s or the, 17, the 1700s or the 1600s. In the 1500s, there were six, but none of those fell on Passover and Sukkot. The 2014-2015 tetrads will be the last this century. Okay, now we're going into Ephraim's dramatic fall. Okay. What does all this have to do with modern America? Blood-red moons followed Israel becoming a state in 1948. Passover, April 13, 1949, blood-red moon. Sukkoth, October 7, 1949, blood-red moon. Passover, April 12, 1950, Blood Red Moon. Sukkoth, September 26, 1950, Blood Red Moon. The pattern repeats itself in 20, I guess he's trying to say 2014, 2015 here. Left the four off. Mm-hmm. Passover, April 15, 2014, there's a Blood Red Moon. Sukkoth, October the 8th, 2014, Blood Red Moon. Passover, April 4th, 2015, Blood Red Moon. And Sukkoth, September 28th, 2015, Blood Red Moon. 
In Isaiah chapter 7, we read about Ephraim, which is modern-day America. It can be proved that the Anglo-Saxon people in America are the biblical Ephraimites. The prophecy speaks of Ephraim plotting against the Jews. Judites. Today, that would be America plotting Judites. against the state of Israel. No. Totally incorrect. Yeah. Totally wrong. <laughs> no, no. Ju- uh, Manasseh, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and Judah, uh, probably Germany, right? Because there's uh, a given, given their population, there's far more Judahites in Germany than there are in Great Britain, even though the symbol uh, of Great Britain is both Ephraim and Judah, okay? The, the so-called unicorn of Ephraim and the rampant lion of Judah are the, uh, you know, the, the royal uh, symbols of Great Britain. Okay, because Great Britain is also composed of Judah, Ephraim, Manasseh, and most of some of the most of members of all the other tribes uh, can be found in Britain as well, but uh, by number, uh, many times more of all twelve tribes live here in America than any other country. Okay, back to you. Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have plotted evil against you, saying, "Let us go up against Judah." Modern Israel no, troubled it. No, no, no. Germany. It's Germany that we're talking about here. If there's a dual prophecy here, of course, this is a, this is a, simply a statement of what happened in those days. But oh, there's a, it's a historical statement, not a prophetic statement. But if it is prophecy, it, it refers to America, Britain, and the House of Rothschild making war against Judah, Germany. Mm-hmm. All right, not, not uh, Israel. Back to you. <clears throat> let us go up against Judah, modern Israel, and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of Tabal. Isaiah chapter 7, verse uh, that, 5 That would six. be the occupation force <laughs> after <laughs> World War II, right? And even before, after World War I, it was the League of Nations, Yep. That was the king set over Germany after World War One. Total, absolute treachery by the Jews against Judah. Absolute treachery in both cases. Back to you. It is a sad fact that President Barack Obama and his administration are decidedly pro-Arab and definitely anti-Jewish. <laughs> they are anti-Semitic, which we know what... Oh the Jews no, aren't Semites. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, and uh, Barack Obama was no way, no way, shape, or form was he anti-Jewish. He wouldn't he was, have been president if he was. No, anti-Jewish. he was their pawn 100 yep. percent of the time. This just shows that you cannot understand prophecy unless you understand two seed line Christian identity and know the difference it, between a Jew and a Judite. Yeah, it is the only truth to the Bible. Yes, really, uh, absolutely. Yes. They are anti-Semitic, anti-Israelite, but pro-Arabic and pro-Muslim. Obama endorses the Muslim Brotherhood, a longtime enemy of America and the Jewish state of Israel. His administration created ISIS, the Islamist militants who have turned against us and threatened to overrun the Middle East. No, actually, every statement in this paragraph is true. Uh, they are anti-Shemitic, because we're the Shemites, not the Jews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are anti-Israelite, meaning uh, against the 12 tribes of Israel, not the Jews. Pro-Arabic and pro-Muslim, yes, okay. And Obama does endorse the Muslim Brotherhood, but uh, 
the Muslims are making bigger war against the white nations of the world than they are against the Jewish state. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the case? Yeah. yeah it sure is. Okay. Uh, whose lands are they invading? Uh, Ephraim? Or are they invading Israel? Coming to our lands. That's right. That's the fulfillment of the prophecy that mm-hmm. Ephraim would mix his blood with that of other races. It's not being fulfilled in Israel. It's being fulfilled here. I think and, Israel is probably the most segregated. Yes. One of the most segregated in the world. But they're they already, yeah, they're already race mixed, so it doesn't mean much. <laughs> but they don't, <laughs> yes, yeah, but they don't allow foreigners. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Notice Isaiah chapter 7, verse 8 in the New King James Version. That the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken, literally shattered, so that it will not be a people. What is this mysterious 65 years? What does it refer to? Notice that it refers to Ephraim. Ephraim is modern-day America. So America will fall or be shattered in 65 years. 65 years from when? Israel was established as a nation beginning in 1948-1949 and ending with 1949-1950. If we count 65 years from 1950, the second year of the Tetrad, when it concluded on Passover and Sukkot, we come to Passover and Sukkot 2015. Does this mean America, modern Ephraim, will be shattered in the year 2015? Think about it. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong. Again, this is trying to fit America into Jewish versions of prophecy, and yeah. it never works. Just as, who was that, Rabbi Khan? who was promoting his blood moons four or five years ago, predicting, you know, the Messiah would come after... No, never happened. Because there is nothing in Scripture about blood moons. That's strictly Jewish teaching. Mm -hmm. And the British Israel people have been falling for this garbage for I don't know how many years. And, of course, the the Church of um, Armstrong has done so. By the way, the Armstrong's church has totally fallen apart. Okay, they, they fall into fighting amongst themselves. I think um, even Dankenbring left at some point because uh, of the, uh, the uh, some guy named Joseph Tkach, T-K-A-C-H, unusual spelling of a name, uh, took over and uh, he, t- he dropped the teaching of the 12 tribes altogether. And so uh, the World Church of uh, God under Armstrong, as Armstrong founder, has been, totally fallen apart. Okay, no longer exists. But Christian identity is still here, and we will survive. Because why? Because the Bible says that Israel will exist forever, okay, even after the judgment day. Okay, so aside from this last section where he tries to fit Jewish teaching into... Now, notice all of these states that he gives for these blood moons, he has no scriptural reference to back it up. Whereas everything about the seven times, he backed up with scripture. Mm-hmm. All right? So there is no scriptural reference here, and he he can't find any because there are no references to blood moons in scripture. This is all added. You know, thou shalt not add <laughs> words unto scripture. Mm-hmm. Right? Deuteronomy 4, 2, 
and, and uh, also in the book of Revelation, you shall not add or subtract mm-hmm. any words of these prophecies. And that's what uh, the British Israel movement is trying to do. Because why? Well, because the Rothschilds have controlled Britain since they created, since they, well, since they executed Charles I, right? Propped up Charles II and used Charles II, and they used uh, Cromwell to do that. And then, uh, then they created the Bank of England in 1694. So England has been ruled, and Great Britain has been ruled by the Rothschilds since 1694, and you can back it up to the day they executed Charles I. Cromwell was an agent of the Jews. Okay, that's the reality, folks. All right. Okay, so uh, other than the Jewish teaching he throws in at the end, this is uh, an outstanding article about the seven times. Okay, so since we have about ten minutes left, why don't we go into Leviticus 26. We, we covered it last time, but only briefly, in anticipation of the uh, the show, uh, the seven times teaching that we did for today. So if you will open your Bible, and everybody can follow along, Leviticus chapter 26. Uh, I don't know if we'll get the whole chapter in, uh, but we have 10 minutes. We, we just might. Uh, understanding what these prophetic statements now mean. Back to you. Okay. <clears throat> yep. Chapter 26. You shall make you no idols nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am Yahweh your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary, I am Yahweh. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And you shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will Mm -hmm. rid evil beasts out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. And you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Okay, it's very interesting because that prophecy applies to America in 1774, April 19, 1774. Uh, Freebird is asking if uh, that date, April 19th, is significant in prophecy. It probably is, uh, but you probably have to do some real serious uh, uh, work. Uh, to find out, because that was the true beginning of America when uh, the uh, pastors of Lexington and Concord confronted the British troops led by and paid for by the House of Rothschild. Okay, so this was uh, America, Christian America, rebelling against the House of Rothschild, April 19, 1775, or was it 1774? I forget now. Um, I think it was... uh, it might have been 1774. Sorry, folks. I think it was 1774, yeah. Yeah, okay. So a good year and a quarter before uh, the Declaration of Independence, that's when the first shots were fired. And this is Yahweh protecting America against Manasseh slash Rothschild. Okay? And so, uh, and guess what? Because America was a law-abiding Christian nation, even Thomas Jefferson, uh, I would say... Compared to today's ministers, you know, he's considered an agnostic, but he was a proponent of the law, of rule by law. And uh, all these laws that America had were based on Scripture. 
and mm-hmm. uh, the edicts of uh, Alfred the Great of Great Britain, that's known as common law. Okay, so it was the common law, biblical law, keeping Americans versus the Rothschild-led Brits. That's what the American Revolution was all about. And guess who won? <laughs> okay, Freebird says April nineteenth, seventeen seventy-five. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah, that's a year and a quarter. That's a year and a quarter before the Declaration of Independence. Thanks, Freebird. And um, okay, please continue. Verse eight. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. And you shall eat old store, and bring forth the old because of the new. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people." I am Yahweh your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you break my covenant, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption mm. and the burning a burning og oh covid covid yeah. fear you can see the fear in the eyes of the people lining up to get their shots mm-hmm. speaking of that i spoke with someone last night uh, a woman last night who who's in the medical field and she said she really thinks that by the end of the year all hospitals everywhere all mm-hmm. the employees are going to have to be uh, yeah that that's going to destroy vaccinated. they're shooting themselves in the foot you know, mm-hmm. Who's going to replace them? Who's going to run the hospitals? You know, uh, nurses bleeding from their noses. You know, and, and, and what's that disease that more women get where half your face, it's like having a stroke and half your face goes numb. Okay. And it's hard to speak, etc. For some reason, women get that more from the shots than men do. But uh, in any case, uh, all of these uh, byproducts, all of these problems that the vaccinated people are getting are obvious, but mainstream media is not reporting them. So mm-hmm. sooner or later, the uh, American people are going to totally rebel against us. I, I, I see signs of that happening now, okay, that uh, you know, these corporations mm-hmm. and their subsidiaries, namely the hospitals, are going to start failing because of lack of qualified people. Well, she was – her concern was, and she's in HR, that uh, a lot of the nurses are going to walk out. If yeah, they, that if too. They have to get the shot. You know, there are – now, some of that's just talk. Some people say they're going to walk out when yeah. they don't. But um, I'm sure, you know, a few mm-hmm. – some of them will, and that's going to yes. cause, you know, multiply right. the shortage that we have already. Yeah, all the Chicago nurses will have to move back to the farm with their parents in Wisconsin, <laughs> right? <laughs> A great exodus back to the farms. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll uh, yeah. wrong what, verse seventeen, and and I will set my face against you, and you shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, mm. and you shall flee when none pursueth you. Mm. Is that true of America <laughs> today? Yeah, they that hate you rule yeah. over us. The Jews rule over us, folks. Bell's palsy. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mary. 
Bell's palsy, where half your face goes numb. It's a really weird disease. Never before until VAC, the vaccine. I mean, it's a rare, it's a rare problem until the, this vax has come out. And now it's a very common, common problem. Back to you. Thanks, Mary. And if you, and if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power. And I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase. Mm. Neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. <clears throat> and if you <clears throat> walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. <laughs> I will yep. also send wild beasts among you, which shall <laughs> rob you of your children and destroy your cattle. Yeah. And make you few in number and your highways shall be desolate. Yeah. Uh, Mary says the NHS here mandated for jab by April 22. Interesting they didn't pick April 19. <laughs> yeah. Right? But of course, that's Britain. They, they don't want to remember April 19, 1775. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's crazy. I, I hope, I pray, Mary, that, uh, you know, for all the Brits, uh, who, who are aware of the, even the British Israel, uh, faction that they are aware that Britain is, uh, uh, you know, a compilation of m many of the tribes of Israel. That uh, we pray for Britain not to, that this awareness that the jab is evil be increased there here in America and in all white nations because we need to understand who the enemy is and the weapon they have chosen against us. As I have said before, the the white coats are coming, the white coats are coming, and they have a needle in their hand, not a gun. And this is what all white people around the world need to understand. Back to you. We have about two minutes left. <clears throat> okay, verse 23. And if you will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary unto you. Amen. And will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when ye are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you, and ye shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you your bread again by weight, and ye shall eat and not be satisfied. Mm -hmm. If ye will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. Yes. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. Okay. Yeah, America has been the breadbasket of the world. <laughs> the state of Illinois can probably feed the whole world all by itself. We have such fertile land. In the state of Illinois, the soil is 200 feet deep. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it in the wow. world. Anyway, okay, folks, we've run out of time. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt that America is the fulfillment of the Levit Leviticus chapter 26, 2,500 years, the seven times prophecy. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. You're going to need it. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Dan. Great show Thank today. You. Enjoy Talk it. to you. Yeah, Yahweh bless everybody. See you later tonight on Restoration Hour. Bye-bye.